Hello, and welcome to the Movie Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll have a spoiler-filled discussion about a movie we think you'll enjoy. I am joined by my sister. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the Lego Batman movie that we've just watched. Now, while we may spoil lots of Batman properties, I guess it's the way I phrase it, I personally can't spoil any other Lego movies. This is my first Lego movie experience. I think I may have seen one of the shorts for Star Wars, the Padawan Menace, maybe. Hmm. Okay. But we've got a stack over there of a lot of the other um, Batman, DC, hero, you know, Lego movies. Oh, I've long wanted to watch them. I mean, I'm always encouraging you, hey, let's pick it up. Let's watch it. Because the commercials always look very mm-hmm. good. They always come across as having a great sense of humor. And I always hear great things about them. Yeah, I've been hearing great things about the various Lego movies for quite some time. And because it's... A Lego movie. It's not live action. It's based on toys. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's got a unique sensibility to it, and I think this movie really exemplified that pretty well. You know, in a way that might not make sense, it reminds me of Aladdin when it came out. Uh, it came out, and my godson was five at the time. I took him and his mom to see it, and what I loved about it was the five-year-old found the movie hilarious. Mm-hmm. I found the movie hilarious. His mom found the movie hilarious. And yet there were times when some of the jokes were clearly aimed either at me or at his mom. And the five-year-old would actually look at us and say, will you stop laughing so loud? Yeah, what different age groups would find funny uh, is going to be different. Because there were things in this one that were referencing the entire history of Batman. Yes, yes. You know, when they were kind of doing the stops of, well, how about at this time, and doing the dates for the different movies. Yes. And that bizarre thing in the 60s or whatever. Yes. And even when Alfred was in the the 60s Batman suit, that was a reference to the Batman TV show, where Alfred would stand in for him at times. Yeah. And I I love the bit of, we're going to punch these guys so hard, words are going to form above us. Yes. Yes. And what I love about this is the Lego universe has its own sensibility centered around, in many respects, being Lego. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, throw me a two by six and whatever, and I'll build something. I mean. Well, the building the various uh, vehicles mm-hmm. that he needed sort of as he's falling down the side of a building and kind of grabbing the pieces off the side. I loved that because how many times when we were kids did somebody give you a Lego set that was meant to build one thing and you figured out how to build something entirely different out of it? And that's the whole point of Lego is the interchangeable parts. But to have that imbued in the sensibility of the world. Yeah. To the point of, you know, oh, they're going to have bombs. And you get the Neil deGrasse Tyson type. Who's basically, you know, it's a well-known fact that we're built on these planes that are just barely anchored together. There's nothing below us, you know, kind of going for the uh, the uh, base plates or whatever kind yes. of, you know, mentality. It's just, again, it infuses a, a sensibility into the world 
that is logically based on Lego, if you will, mm-hmm. yet has an inherent insensibility to it. Like when they're pulling the stuff back together to save the city. Yes. You know, only I mean, you can't do that in a non-Lego movie. It just wouldn't work. Yeah. But because it's like cartoon physics. Well, exactly. Not just because they can pull the two sides back together, but Batman and the entire team of people he was standing on were truly gravity-defying. Yeah. When they're leaning out over the Grand Canyon, if you will, that has formed between the two sides of the city. Mm-hmm. I had seen recently a uh, very interesting uh, YouTube video on the history of Lego movies. Mm. Going back to, like, the first one or two that were unofficial, and somebody just done stop motion with mm-hmm. their stuff. And how there was a, a first, the Lego company was okay with it, then maybe not so much, and then kind of where things went from there. And how some of the movies they'd done, you know, after the era of computer animation, um, but before, but not in the last, say, five years or so, um, where... The figures looked like Lego, but didn't move like Lego. Yeah, I can see that. And we need to pick up the Lego movie, because that apparently was a hallmark moment, because that's when that uh, creative team behind that movie decided, no, no, let's embrace the Lego. Yeah. You know, and everything was done, because there was a big controversy apparently at the time of, was this computer animation, was this stop motion? Yeah, do the elbows bend? Did the knees bend? Do we only bend at the waist? Everything they did was something that was essentially either a move or replace of a piece. Yeah. So again, there were a few where they would cheat just a little bit for, you know, uh, either emotion or something that you you can't do a shoulder shrug otherwise kind of thing. Yes, yes. Or the lifting of an eyebrow. But the lifting of an eyebrow, they could justify as you just replaced the headpiece. With uh, one with yeah, a different... okay, if it were stop motion, I could see that. Exactly, okay. exactly. I can and buy that. if you noticed here on some of them, and I thought the Joker was the best example, it was as if there were pieces on the Lego feature of uh, face for the eye and the eyebrow and that kind of a stuff to where it's like, take that sticker off, put the sticker on, kind of a color forms uh, okay. approach to it. Yeah. And there, here, they were a little further uh, away from that than I think maybe in the, the 2012, I guess, Lego movie. But the idea that you, if you stopped on any frame, mm-hmm. there's almost the idea of, I could build that. Yeah. Well, I will admit that from a, a licensing, I guess, perspective, I did not expect non-DC, I mean... When we get to the Phantom Zone and all the villains, and we've yeah. got the Daleks, we've got Voldemort, we've got... Uh, King Kong. King Kong, Sauron... The Wicked Witch of the West, I think it was. Yeah. The Gremlins, um, mm-hmm. just uh, 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 Agent Smith or whatever from The Matrix. Yeah. I, I think a lot of these were Warner Brother-ish properties, but I don't know that all of them were. Well, uh, Doctor Who doesn't strike me as Warner Brothers. It was definitely not, but that's why they were British robots. Uh, but, yeah, well, okay. I mean, they say exterminate, so I just, they were too clearly Daleks. Oh, I thought they were clearly, uh, but, but I yeah, think I see that was a, we won't get in trouble for, mm-hmm. um, but I also don't recall seeing anything in the end credits of clearly acknowledging the property. Yeah, that's interesting. And it was funny, because in the end credits, there was probably the largest screen full of comic creators credited in any comic book-based movie we'd seen. Mm-hmm. And this, again, was was covering the lion's share of, of the history of Batman to the point with 
when the Joker was was listing off all the villains he's working with, I'm like, all of them have been in the comics. Hmm. Not all of them originated in the comics. Okay, yeah. Uh, Egghead from the 60s show. Um, Harley Quinn from the animated series. Condiment King may have also been from the uh, the animated series. I could be wrong on that. What a name. But I loved how just the references were flying from all over the place. I love when uh, Batman goes to the Fortress of Solitude and essentially crashes, what was it, the 57th anniversary Justice League party? Yeah. And he's like, why wasn't I invited? Yeah. Because, like, everybody from the Super Friends was in there. Yeah. I mean, the ones you would expect, Superman, uh, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, they had the Wonder Twins. Uh-huh. Didn't see Gleek, but he might have been there. El Dorado, Apache Chief, Samurai, Cyborg, uh, the Hawks, uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow were there. Although I know Green Arrow showed up in the Super Friends. I don't recall Black Canary being there. Hmm. They had Wonder Dog as the DJ, but no Wendy and Marvin. Yeah. But it was one of those, it's like, okay, let's let's reference that era of Batman. Yeah. About the only thing I didn't catch a reference to, and it may have been in there and I just missed it, was um, the 70s cartoon with Batmite. Mm. I don't recall. I There was certainly no Batmite yeah. in there, but there was a period where it was like Superman and Tarzan on CBS from, I think it was Filmation. Yeah. So I don't know if any of the Filmation stuff was a, uh, specifically referenced. If so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint the exact reference point for some of the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, where do you feel they got the personality of this Bruce Wayne and this Batman from. You know, it's funny you mention that because I was starting to wonder right before we recorded this, but after we watched the film, how different our society would be culturally if one line of one film was w- was different. Okay. If Michael Keaton in the first Batman film of the modern era mm-hmm. didn't say, I'm Batman, but just, who are you? Batman. The whole I am Batman bit wouldn't exist. Yeah. And the reason I mention that now is that's, I think, think the defining line for this Batman. Really? There are many takes to be had on Batman. Mm -hmm. But there is the, if you could be, be yourself unless you can be Batman and then be Batman. Okay. It's the Batman is the pinnacle of of human perfection or, or... macho-ness or whatever Mm. you want to see that is but the i am batman mentality mantra meme whatever Mm -hmm. um that seemed to be kind of i would say the guiding principle for this batman Mm -hmm. he is all things batman could ever and should ever be and maybe not be yeah it's that second half that got me i'm not used to that second half well i mean to me it was the send-up parody of batman while still being batman yeah it's the modern version of the 60s take of it, of Batman. It's it's camp that can be taken seriously if you want to. You can laugh at it or you can laugh with it. I saw nothing in what little we saw of Bruce Wayne to say he should be highly respected. Bruce Wayne isn't the character, though. True. That's and I, my point. Well, and I get that, but... Even when you go to Batman, when Batman goes to visit at the orphanage, he doesn't talk to the orphans. He doesn't truly acknowledge the orphans. 
He throws a bunch of merchandise at them, including t-shirts that say, I'm not Batman. He assaults them with merchandise, essentially. Yeah. But again, to me, that was the camp aspect, the mockery of Batman and the merchandising of Batman. And it's almost the Chevy Chase, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. I'm Batman and you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, again, that meme, that, I don't say that take on Batman, but that... They, to me, it felt like they were going with the selfish, spoiled child version. Oh, absolutely. And that wore thin for me. It's almost maybe a millennial Batman. Yeah. The entitled, the full of himself, can't see outside of himself. Absolutely. And they were poking fun at that. He had to grow past that to really be a hero. That's why this Batman wasn't invited to the Justice League party. That's why when he had to make an excuse to leave it, he's like, bye, and just zip lines out of there. Yeah. You know, and I really think a lot of that came out of that one line of that one movie. Hmm. Interesting. And the almost the, the mockery and clicheness of it. Mm-hmm. Because the the number of times I've seen that sort of a thing poked fun at is just insane. Even to the point of in the superhero girls stuff, there's a clip I've seen in, in one or two of the commercials or whatever that has Batgirl doing that raspy, I am mm. Batgirl, coughs up, frog in my throat, and hi, I'm Batgirl, you know, kind of, you know, as a teenage girl would do it. Yeah. And again, po- poking fun at the the voice, the the over-seriousness, that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that was, this was clearly a comedic take on Definitely. it. Uh, beyond just the Lego-ness of it. Yeah. Well, this was very much a Batman who needed to grow and improve as a person. Yeah, and it was... This is a Batman who, whether he's willing to admit or not, is afraid. A Batman who needs to learn the concept of teamwork and an well, ability to play well with others. An emotionally stunted Batman because of the trauma he went through as a kid. Yeah. Which is a fair take on Batman. And this Batman, uh, this this movie, again, encompassed the totality of Batman's existence. Yeah. To the point of, I, I mean, I loved where they had, um, I mean, when when Alfred's saying you've got to go to this this retirement thing for Commissioner Gordon, and there's the tuxedo, you know, dress up party kind of, you know, yeah, again, very kid centric, you know, yeah, sort of a thing. But then when Dick Grayson's down in the cave, and there's all the costumes, it's like, you know, again, you can't play the dress up party; it's for adults, sort of. It's yeah, it's that 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 bizarre mindset or whatever. But what I loved was as the costumes would fly by, you know, the um, the one that Robin winds up taking or whatever. But then there is the Nightwing Batman, which is the Nightwing costume, which suits that uh, Robin as well because it's Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. But then at one point there was the Batman Beyond. There were a lot of ones that if you were to go through the 50s era of Batman, mm. you know, kind of the rainbow color Batman type stuff, mm-hmm. that um, it's just it was abundantly clear that these creators were fans of not just a particular take of Batman, but knew the history of the character, knew the things that would be fun little Easter eggs to toss in, and didn't reject any aspect of Batman, but embraced the totality of it and the inherent contradictions Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. You know, how he can be this dark, brooding loner, but he has a family. Yeah. And it's funny because... Right now in the comics, in the last 10, 15 years, I mean, he, for the first year, it was just Batman. 
Mm-hmm. Then back in ninety or not maybe, uh, but nineteen thirty nine or whatever, Robin gets introduced, and then you go that way through up until the early eighties, eighty two, eighty three, I think it was, when Dick Grayson steps down as Robin, and then a, a year or so later, you get Jason Todd. So now you've got a second Robin, and then I'm trying to think. I think it was somewhere in the nineties where they've killed off Jason Todd, they introduced Tim Drake, so now you've got a third Robin. Then you get up until 2000 where they introduce the Stephanie Brown as the first female Robin. So you which, have a gaggle of Robins? Well, hang on. You've got another one after that. Now, they've taken Stephanie Brown out of continuity as having been Robin, hmm. but then you wind up with Damian Wayne, his actual son. Hmm. So it's gotten to the point where when they have a family get-together for Batman, you've got Nightwing... Robin, Red Robin, you know, uh, Red Hood is Jason Todd. And, and you know, I, I mean, literally, you've got so many. It's it's not just a family. It's a huge family. Yeah. You know, much less if you bring in the extended characters of the various Batgirls, Huntresses, and, and so forth. And so for them to play with it here, I thought it was interesting to have Barbara Gordon as the new Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a and potential love interest for Batman. Mm-hmm. So that was was surprising because it put her in a very different age bracket than uh, Dick Grayson and usually their contemporaries in the love interests. Um, and having Rosario Dawson do the voice. Yeah. For the first half of the movie, I'm like, that's not Gina Torres's voice, but it sounds enough like. Yeah. And I then was, once I hooked in, it's like, oh, yeah. I was trying to place that one, too. Um, I'm pretty sure Rosario Dawson is a, a major comic book fan. I think she may have even created one or two comic book properties. I could hmm. be wrong on that. But I think Covert Vampire Operations or something like that, CVO, was, was one of hers. Hmm. But, of course, she's over in the uh, Marvel Netflix stuff, and there's talk about her getting a role in The New Mutants. Oh, um, interesting. As a different character. Interesting. But here, again, where they played with just such a wide cross-section of the continuity, and continuity is not the right word, but the... The toys, the themes, the villains, the characters, the... But they went through so many vehicles, but they didn't officially, at least, have the Batmobile. They had the speed wagon. They had a few. They didn't have... And it's funny, be, well, I didn't see, like, the classic 60s Batmobile or a few others. But when they referenced the, um, whatever they called the vehicle um, automated garage thing, I'm sure if we looked carefully, there's more to see. Yeah. This seems like the kind of film that you could almost go, not necessarily literally frame by frame, but shot by shot, and uh, and pull a lot of Easter eggs out of. There was a lot of stuff tucked away in there, definitely. Yeah. Well, everything from the uh, the shark repellent. Yes. Which, again, is a reference to the 60s show. Yeah. So it's it clear they, they enjoy the, the character, the mythos, and whatever, and having a self-absorbed Batman... Gives you a little bit more that you could just kind of poke fun at. And one who's that that ridiculously infinitely rich type that, that there literally are no boundaries as to what he can have. I guess I'm used to Batman being the guy who learned a lot, worked out a lot, compensated through intellect and physical training for the lack of superpowers to become a hero. Well, and that is one of the more standard takes on a more serious Batman is while he's got the advantages of wealth, he didn't buy his way literally into Batman. Yeah. He buy the training to be able to become Batman. Yeah. 
And certainly there's no sign of brilliant detective work or skilled training or technical acumen or anything other than a computer give me the answer. Going again for this being a more millennial Batman than a uh, maybe a greatest generation hardworking Batman or whatever you well, want to call him. A Siri powered computer that Alfred can parent parental lock him out of. Yeah. Oh, but again, it's, I think with the Lego stuff, again, this is the first one I've seen of this. Yeah. They're not going for a serious take on Batman. I just wonder how much of what I'm picking up on is millennial aimed versus the comedy. That's what I'm trying to figure out. It's hard for me to kind of parse apart, tease apart those two things, but I think a little of both. I think this definitely is that entitled millennial attitude, at least the stereotypical one. I don't want yeah. anyone listening who is of that age range to think I'm well, exactly. They're... stereotyping them or talking down to them because no. I don't do that with individuals. I wait until I get to know them and then hate them on the grounds of who they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it came across very much as a Batman could figure out anything because he had access to Siri. To me, that's the topical reference point for for a high tech computer. Yeah, that's what a kid you know yeah. a kid sees a computer is that you ask it, it answers. Yeah, not something you have to program, not something you have to work at. Yeah, and again, that that handing of answers, that entitlement, it just to mindset me, of this character. Yeah, it just to me, it downplayed the intelligence of the character. Oh, I would not consider this an intelligent character. Yeah, and again, it's. As much a parody of Batman as anything else. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's I, why I'm going for it's the equivalent of the 60s stuff. The 60s one yeah. was camp. Yeah. But as a kid, I could watch it, ignore the camp aspect, and just, it's Batman. Well, but even in the campy 60s one, we saw him over at his workbench tinkering. Oh, absolutely. He would tinker, and then he would lecture Robin on how he came up with this answer. And yeah. Stay in school, chum. And in yeah. it was the over-the-top, but that, to me, was an aspect of the camp Yes, for that era. Yeah. And what we're seeing is the modern sensibility and stereotypes applied to it. And there's nothing right or wrong about that. It's just different styles. But I think this Batman plays well in the lego universe because it's not like it's trying to be real it's very much trying to not be real true and i mean the movie was hilarious have you ever seen any of the batman the brave and the bold cartoon only one music meister i bet yeah at some point we should go through a few of those episodes and maybe the listeners would have recommendations if we do that one of the ones we have to go through is one of the ones with aquaman okay because uh, Diedrich Balder, who was on um, the Drew Carey show and is a stand-up comedian, whatever, funny guy, he played the voice of Batman in uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold cartoon. It lasted three seasons. And it was something that was very cartoonish looking and had almost a 50s stylized sensibility to it, particularly with the Joker and a few others. But it was a Batman that was serious, but there was also a wackiness to the universe. Mm. And the take they did with Aquaman there is he was this larger-than-life, underwater, sea king, very much a King Arthurish type, but everything was outrageous. Everything was overblown. He would have the tail of this, that, and the other. It was bombastic. It was sensationalistic. It was self-aggrandizing. Yeah. 
and it was a caricature of Aquaman, but one that worked amazingly well, even though it's not the Aquaman I would see in the comics or want to see in the comics. Likewise, this is a Batman I wouldn't want to see in the comics, but is a fun take on it and allows them to just play with the, you know, what if you take the concept of Batman and crank it up to about 12 or 13? Mm -hmm. Well, I enjoyed the Phantom Zone in terms of we send a guy we know to be a bad guy there, and kind of we get a, this is your life, proof, he's a bad guy. Which is funny because I think that wasn't intended as a reference on, oh shoot, what was the comedian? There was a movie that was done where when you die, you were sent to purgatory and pretty much put on trial for your life. Mm. And there was a, uh, I forget which comic was in the lead uh, role there, and there was a... a but basically, he was put on trial and it was, well, am I going to go up? Am I going to go down? Whereas, and you would do that kind of during the day at this like resort sort of area in, in Purgatory. Mm-hmm. And somebody he had befriended there, she was going through the same thing. And he was like, geez, it's so rough going through this. She's like, oh, for us, it's like old homes week. It's great because she had a better life. It was reminiscing, you know. Yeah. And it comes down to the way they did the Phantom Zone and the brick... And I loved how it's a, it's a standard two by four Lego brick with the little translucent color as the lights that would flip out. Yeah. And yeah. get replaced or whatever. Just, it was, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, very simple, almost sixties computer blinking light kind of approach to it. Yeah. But again, like you said, that replay of your life, are you good? Are you bad? And mm-hmm. the, uh, the computer there getting to Batman and it's like, well, you're not a bad guy, but you got some issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that when he was there, kind of being forced to face what someone truly outside his life saw when looking at his life to see, are you good or are you bad in how you deal with others? And showing him, look, this is what someone on the outside sees. And he saw it and it was kind of a wait. My goal is to be a good person. That is not the person I mean to be. That's not the person I intend to be. I can try. I can be better. I didn't have quite the same read on the scene. I don't think that Batman thought he was a better person. I literally think he just hadn't thought about it at all. I thought he thought he was capable of better. I thought it had never occurred to him how others in those scenes had felt. Yes, no, this gave him the distance to separate him, his perception from his vantage point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Step outside of himself enough to, to see, just frankly, how rude he was to, like, Alfred and a mm-hmm. few others. Yeah. Um. Well, what's the old joke? Did you actually stop and listen to yourself? Yeah. Well, and there was aspects of the movie where, while it was high comedy in some places, there was a lot of pathos and... and tugging at the heartstrings emotional moments here and there Mm -hmm. and there was enough of those Mm -hmm. where i was surprised just how much they had put in this movie yeah you know it covered a lot of ground in terms of the characters introduced the plot points etc but the emotional highs and lows yeah you know it wasn't just let's have a laugh every few seconds every minute or whatever and one-liner one-liner oh visual joke sight gag okay let's go for the next yeah. And I appreciated that. I expected a little bit more of that. And granted, it's not the most complex 
you know, treat others better kind of storyline as, as, I mean, other movies have more uh, sophisticated character arcs. Mm -hmm. They have more sophisticated characters. Yeah. But this is a movie aimed for an all ages audience, Mm -hmm. which means it's got to be accessible to that younger crowd. It's Mm -hmm. having a message targeting the younger crowd is not a bad thing. But it had something for for older viewers. I guess the thing is, when I watch a movie that's aimed at all ages, and they're hoping kids will get addicted and want to watch it again and again, I hope the movie has some good role models and has at least one decent moral message, like the importance of teamwork or something like that. So that I think it certainly had that. It had the good message, but I wonder about. The role models. I just don't think it was Batman. And that's where I'm disappointed, I guess. I he wanted was, him to be a better role model. He was the lead and the one who needed to grow. Yeah. You know, there's aspects of him that could be the role model, but really, Barbara Gordon or Alfred would be the two. I guess I was looking to Batman to be the role model to Robin. As was Robin, as was Alfred, and they were a little disappointed. Yeah. Up and But if, if you go for the totality of the movie... And he did by make the strides. end. He got there. Yeah, yeah. So I would argue that's almost the better role model than the one who starts there. True. You know, shows you can grow, shows you can change, but you got to work at it. You got to realize you need to. Yeah. I'm looking forward because, like I said, we've got a bunch of these other ones that have the Justice League and stuff like that in it. Looking forward to watching those. I don't know if they're going to be as comedic as this or not, um, or if it's literally kind of the same Lego Batman or not. My understanding is all the Lego movies are supposed to be really funny, which is why I wanted to watch it. No, and I knew that, and and Sam had said great things about this, and I was looking forward to this one as a result, and I think he was totally on on the mark. It was a great film. It had some really laugh-out-loud moments. It had fun with the property, and I never once felt the least bit like they were making fun of me as a fan of Batman or as a comic book reader or anything of the sort. Yeah. So it was, we were all laughing together with the property, not it poking fun at me. Yeah. But what I'm not sure of is if there's any semblance of continuity or whatnot between the different ones. Mm. So if the direct-to-video ones with Batman and the Justice League, are they more serious? Are they this Batman? Should they be? I don't know what answer I'd like on that, to be honest. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know. So at some point, we'll go through those. Yeah. They've done a few on... um on Star Wars. Like I said, I've seen one or two of those. And um, there is the Lego movie itself, which did really well. And I think part of what spawned a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Because I think he was in there as this sort of a Batman. Oh. Uh, but I haven't seen it, so I don't know that for certain. Mm-hmm. Only so many hours in the day. Only so many things I can consume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was a ton of fun. It uh, Great use of music. Yes. There was just a couple of, of places where... It's almost like the movie pauses to go into not totally a music video, but mm-hmm. it's like, let's crank up the music. This is getting the, the the emotional beats we want. I'll admit my favorite sound effect was when people fired guns. The pew pew. Yes. And again, to me, that's the Lego sensibility, movie sensibility of mm-hmm. it's like kids are playing. It's like the toys come to life. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was fun. Uh, what else did they do with the music? Cause there were a couple of things where it's like... Well, when uh, Batman would say no. No, 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 Yeah, the references to to the Batman theme song, the horn. 
when it would do the Batman 60s type stuff. The doorbell at the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, God, I thought that was hilarious when it would do the Superman yes. uh, music and stuff. With kind of, he's that way too. Yes, yes. I almost didn't want him to open the door for a while so I could just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, or what would have been funny is it does that and then it goes, he does like the full theme song for a bit. Batman starting tapping his, you know, foot and that kind of, it's like, come on, come on. And then it gets back to the bomb, 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 you know. Yes. Um, so that was, that was hilarious. Um, I would like to see them almost do a Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm. sort of a, a Lego DC movie, something where you see the characters changing versions and, and things getting rewritten around them. <laughs> a a Lego time travel movie would be funny. Yes. Like a Doctor Who thing or something where time changes and you see like a ripple of, of the Lego stuff as it's changing around people. I mean, there's some stuff you could just do that would be visually amazing. And, and they did quite a bit of it here. They did. Yeah. Uh, for a computer animated film, the smoke effects were awesome. The Some of the lighting was just really well done. Yeah. Um, what else did well, they do? For that matter, capturing the edges of the Lego pieces. You know, when uh, Dick Grayson as Robin is sort of climbing up the outside of the Fortress of Solitude, mm -hmm. and it looks like he's landing on ledge after ledge after ledge. Yeah. I mean, you could very clearly tell throughout almost the entire movie where you had the pieces with the round connection points versus where they'd put the totally flat slick the caps or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What I thought was the funniest, though, along those lines was at the beginning. The helicopter? The, the helicopter lands on the plane. The guys get out. They get to the edge. Yes. The camera does the 360 as they step off the studs onto the smooth part. They get the additional piece that's like the magnetic clamp thing. Yes. And it's – the funny thing is because these are Lego motif, you've got things like the cell phone that's as large as the person's torso. Yes. The microwave that's larger than the person uh -huh. to fit the, the, the lobster or whatever sort of – the scale, you know, it's like you, you – Put the hand behind you. You pull out this iPhone that's that's huge. You put it back and poof, it's gone. The flashlight that kind of drops a peg down into the hand so that the flashlight can rest along the forearm. Because that's how the flashlight pieces are and the gun pieces are in Lego. Yeah. You know, to, to and that's, again, from the video I was watching on YouTube, seemed to be a defining point in the Lego movies is when they embraced that aspect and just said, you know, it's not just that we're Lego shaped or whatever. We are Lego. You know, it may well, need a specialty piece, but it feels like it is a piece that's on there. Yeah. Well, what got me with the helicopter that landed on the uh, airplane at the beginning was I was sitting there thinking, you know, if you just use those cap pieces for the top of the airplane, the helicopter couldn't have latched onto you and you'd have been fine. Yeah. No, there's there's aspects of that that's just kind of funny. Of course, when we were in, I guess, the press conference or whatever, at uh, or maybe it was Gordon's retirement, and you had the reporters, and they had the camera with the round piece as the lens. And, of course, t it, the scale. Yeah. That's how it would have been as a Lego piece. It just, that world is bizarre. Yeah. And, again, I loved that aspect of it because with cartoons, you either get something like... The animated series, which has a visual style to it and an action-adventure tone and feel to it, 
But by and large, it tries to be reasonably grounded for the most part in terms of if you've got an auto mechanic, he's an auto mechanic, you know, or mm-hmm. yes, you've got Clayface, you've got other crazy things like that. You've got Zeppelins, whatever. But there's a, a physics that yeah. applies to that world. There's a physics that applies to the Lego world, but it's very different. Yeah. But I think with a cartoon, you've got that, you've got the animated, the, uh, the, the Batman Brave and the Bold, different sensibilities. But it's still something you feel should be a bit more grounded, certainly the minute you go to a live action show. You know, be it the 60s Batman, the uh, the Birds of Prey series, which was one of the more recent Batman uh, live action shows, mm. or Gotham, or something like that. Um, suddenly the, the whimsicalness gets harder to infuse in that, and you're expecting a little bit more real world sensibility there. Yeah. Whereas none of that had to or needed to apply. So when they did, they were going to punch them so hard, the words are going to appear. Yeah. It's like, this is just hilarious and a nice callback to the, the animated, or not the animated, but the live action 60s series. Yeah. You know, and again, I like the callback to the Super Friends and, and the other eras. Even the original movie serials were uh, referenced mm. back when they were doing the, here are the different points in time. Yeah. And, and the concept that Batman is like 70 some odd years old as batman plus how old he was before you know is they made reference to that there's the eternalness of of a lego character that's hilarious yeah um it was just a fun movie good sensibility to it certainly something i think kids would hopefully enjoy i think sam's kids did and and rightfully so yeah i thought it was great fun yeah, as an as an adult, the fact that there was so much I could get out of it, I, I thought was uh, was a blast. Yeah, you know, uh, again, we've got a stack of the other ones. We'll watch those at some point, record on those, and certainly if there are other uh, Lego type films that people recommend, we'll consider those. Yeah. So, anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.